Behind the Shades. How do you become the Amy that's in front of me today? Oh, my word. I'm like, so many things I can say about it. Uh, so I am a mom. I'm a stepmom. I'm a wife. I have multiple businesses. I actually have nine businesses. <laughs> and I love showing women what's possible and being an example of what's possible. But uh, so when you look at my profile, I might look like, whoa, she's done all these things. She's so great, whatever. But it's come with a lot of heartache. It's come with a lot of like having to learn grit and it wasn't always my life. So there was a period of my life that was like, uh, I call myself a recovering people pleaser, meaning that I have to, uh, continually check myself because for a long time, I didn't know who I was. I didn't really focus much on me. And I got really good at telling everybody else. Yes. Including, this is a huge part of my story. So always include it, include us, including saying yes to my ex-husband after dating him for three weeks, because I felt bad if I told him no. So that's how far away from myself I was, is that I didn't want him to feel bad. So I told him that I would marry him, even though I didn't want to. And we'd only been dating for three weeks. Now, obviously he's my ex-husband, so it clearly did not work out, but uh, yeah, so that that's me in a nutshell, um, between my husband and I, we have seven kids. We do, we juggle a lot of things. And so, yeah, I'm here to, to be an example of what's possible for the women that are tuning in and hopefully give you guys some advice that you can take into your own lives. So, yeah. Married after three weeks. And here I am, Amy with three, not one, not two, not three, three, three-year relationships, and I can't even get someone to marry me. So. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if I believe that. Maybe you're the one that's like, mm, maybe you're the one that's funny. Yeah. After three weeks of dating, I said he got on his knee and I felt bad. So I told him that I'd marry him, even though my entire like gut was in knots. Everything was telling me, no, this is not meant to be. This is not okay. But I felt bad telling him no. Like, what he wanted was more important than what I wanted. And I like to start there because that's how far away from myself and what I wanted. I was, I helped and pleased everybody else. And at the expense of me, you know, I lost myself through that whole process. And from there, it was an unhealthy relationship. We went through, I uh, just, it was really hard 10 or 11 years. I was married to him and three kids and I had to like start my life completely over. So then I became a broke single mom. And from there, I just started building everything from there. And, and, and now it's amazing. I live a total dream lifestyle. So I'm like, guess what? You can, if I can, you can. I know for me, there's a, there's a point when I reflect on my previous relationships that maybe didn't go the distance. And yeah. when it ends, let's say year five, right? It ends at year five, but when I'm reflecting on it, there's a point during those five years where I look back and I say, this was when I knew for sure the relationship wasn't going to go the distance. Did you have a moment like that? <laughs> yes. I had a moment like that before I even said, or I had a moment like that after I was engaged, I was engaged. And I was like, this is not like, I just knew it. I just knew that this wasn't for me, but, um, 
but I did it anyway, got married. And then I like to say that I I put everything into it that I, you know, I was like, okay, this is the decision I made. I'm going to make it work. But I stayed married five more years from the moment I felt like I couldn't go on. So from the moment that I was like, this is absolutely just so not anything that I thought that it would be that I'm, you know, we weren't, it was a toxic relationship. It wasn't healthy. We weren't driving together and I still stayed for five years. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And that's the hell. hard part because you've had, you have children with him as well, correct? Yes. Yes. We have three yes. kids together and that is also difficult because you, you know, they're not really out of your life. I mean, I, I've been texting him today. <laughs> we have to communicate. We have kids. So, but you know, it, it has taught me a lot. And I do look back and think I I've learned a lot, especially about myself. And then I've had to learn how to, you know, co-parent with someone that is no longer my husband while also now having a husband, it's like complicated, you know, so, but it can be done. We're doing it every day (laughs) among other things. So, yeah. So for the women out there, who may be in a similar situation because there's so many of us these days, right? Who are divorced or who are separated or who may be looking for a marriage because you have two, which is more than a lot of people can say, right? Um, What's something that you learned about yourself in your first marriage that you brought into your second because it was going to help you find yourself and show up in a better way the second time around? Yeah. It brings, it comes back to the whole people pleaser thing. I had to learn that I was worthy of what I wanted. That was the biggest lesson I learned in that marriage is, and then also that you teach people how to treat you. So if you're allowing certain people to treat you certain ways, that is you saying, you know what, it's okay. And so I had to teach him how to treat me as I ended that marriage and even now. So he respects me so much more now than he used to, because I pretty much demanded it, right? Like, it's like, this is how you're going to treat me now. So me learning how to treat myself and learn to learn to respect myself while also putting in certain boundaries is the biggest lesson that I learned from that relationship that I did bring into this relationship. And what's been amazing about um, my marriage that I have now, we've been together for nine years and married for eight years. And we have such a deeper appreciation of each other, of schedules, of all of the different things, because we both know the difference. You know, we know what it was like when things were not so healthy. And so we see each other in a completely like different light and we allow each other room to be individuals. And I think a lot of times in relationships, that's where a lot of people get hung up is they, they, you know, they kind of cross in a way I call it scrambled eggs. It's like the relationships all scrambled instead of being like two individuals that are just coming together to share time and enjoy each other. It's like, you can create this codependency that's not healthy. And so that's, um, one thing that I've learned or a few things that I've learned that I've brought into this and it's made this marriage so much sweeter. And what's something that you've learned about wearing the two different hats of a mother and a Mm -hmm. stepmother? How do you navigate those two responsibilities? First of all, if any of you are a stepmom, um, God bless you. It is, <laughs> it is really a hard dynamic, especially uh, thanks to Disney. Disney, you know, positions all of these moms, uh, stepmoms, as like these evil stepmothers, and we're not. You know, we have this like stepdads are like this great thing that's come in and like swooped in and saved the mom, and like stepmoms are like 
not accepted and they're evil, you know? So my stepkids, they're great kids. There's four of them. So I have three of my own kids and then four stepkids and they are amazing kids, but they are very influenced by, um, you know, their mom. So if their mom's not okay with our relationship, then they have to fall in line with that. So being a stepmom and being a mom are very different because you don't have all of the power of like motherhood with your, you know, with your biological kids that you've had, you can say or do and be whatever you want to. And you're the mom, but with a stepmom, it's like, you're more of this like visitor that they don't necessarily want around all the time. Now mine have grown. Our relationship has grown. I told you we've been together now for nine years, but it's been a total journey. I thought that when I I got married to him. I was like, oh, this is going to be amazing. We're going to have, I'm going to have four more kids and I'm going to love them. And we're going to, you know, have this like vision of this fairy tale of like the Brady bunch. And we were so far from what the Brady bunch actually is like, and also I don't have an Alice, you know, Alice helps with all the things. And so, um, I was like, man, this is, this is completely different than anything I ever thought. And I've really had to work on those relationships, loving them, showing them that I'm a safe person, that I do care about them, that I am here for them. I am here for their father. And so having them develop that trust, cause it doesn't come, it doesn't come naturally. I didn't have them, you know, I didn't see them grow up since diapers. It's like all of a sudden this person's inserted into their life and they're just supposed to be okay with it. Well, guess what? A lot of kids aren't okay with it. They have to learn and grow and you know, there has to be space for that. So it's definitely been a journey, but it's also been rewarding on a lot of levels too. So I get to be a role in their life that, um, you know, is a bonus. Like, I'm like, you get to have another person love you, not just mom and dad. You have like mom, dad, and another person. If you, you know, are open to that, but the kids do have to be open to that. So that's the trickiest part. I think in the the hierarchy, the stepmother is like one level below the the mother in law, right? Which we call like the monster in law. Yeah, we are. We right? are. We are positioned. I mean, my stepkids, and I say this with love because we really have grown and like things are going a lot better than they did. I thought it was just going to be easy. Like I really was like, oh, I'm so fun. I'm going to have the biggest blast with them, and they are going to have so much fun with me. I like, have this like like whole vision of how it'd be. Well, not if their mom doesn't want them to have fun with me, if their mom doesn't accept me, then guess what? They aren't either. And so that takes time and having them grow up and like learn to trust and all the things, but like you are, you are not wanted most stepmoms, not all, but from the ones that I've talked to, most stepmoms are not wanted in the beginning. It's a, it's like a mountain that you're already like way farther down. Like the rest of the family's up on top and you're farther down trying to like climb this mountain of showing them that, you know, you are someone that they can trust and that you do care about them. So it's, it's like, yeah, monster-in-law and then there's stepmom. It's worse. <laughs> and the stepmothers are never like, they're not slim. They're always overweight, you know, these sloppy looking <laughs> people, like they paint them so unattractively, yes. right? Like they're ugly. They're mean. I mean, my kids, my, my stepkids, a lot of times they call them my kids now, you know, but since we're differentiating right here, the first couple years that I was married to their dad and we dated a year too. So it wasn't like I wasn't in their life. And I just all of a sudden was like, you know, we eased into it. And then 
um, I was called, like I was told, or they had told lots of people that I treated them like Cinderella. And I'm like, what? No, I don't. But it was like, that's just what is accepted. So people are like, oh yeah, she must be so mean. Like, no, now they look back and they're like, oh, sorry. You know, that wasn't very nice of us. They, they see it for face value. And so we can like laugh into that and talk about it. But like, man, you do, you develop a lot of grit as a stepmom for sure. But just remember, um, one, one bit of advice, if anyone's, you know, going through this is like, one thing I had to write on my hand is it's not personal. So when the kids are mistreating you, it actually has a lot more to do with their own insecurities of the position they're in. And it's not personal. Whoever was going to be inserted into this role as stepmom is going to be faced with this, you know? So it's like, I would have to look at my hand. It's not personal. It's not personal. It's not personal. Cause it can feel very personal when it's really rocky, especially in the beginning. So you're a person that wears many hats, right? You yeah. wear the hat of a wife, of a mother, of a stepmother. What's some of the things that you do outside of the home that is a part of your identity, Amy? Yeah, a lot of things actually. So yeah, I, I wear a lot of hats that are roles, you know, but I do love to be um, an individual. I have my own goals and dreams and things. And so I am an entrepreneur at heart. I have multiple businesses that I run alongside of everything else. And then I'm a marathoner. I'm a workout fanatic. Um, I have a fitness studio that I still teach classes at and stuff. So yeah, I do a lot of things outside that. And most importantly, I go on a lot of girls trips and I travel a lot with my husband. <laughs> my girls trips are my saving grace with all my girlfriends. So we do that quite frequently. <laughs> What's one of your favorite places that you've been to recently, either with your husband or on the girls trip? Uh, well, I just came back from Arizona yesterday. So not that that's one of my favorite, but yeah, I just barely got off one yesterday. Um, but Thailand, Thailand's top of the list. So Thailand's a beautiful place. Um, the culture is amazing. The scenery is amazing. The food's amazing. And it's also very cheap. So Thailand is up there. That's on my list because I went to Bali in 2019, which is so close. Yeah. And we stopped off in Taiwan and we had maybe like an eight hour layover. So we got to explore Taiwan a little bit and it was so nice in the eight hour period. Right. Yeah. And then when we went to Bali, that's where I wish I was like, can I extend this two week vacation another week to go over to Thailand yeah. and then come back? So that was definitely on my list because traveling for those who don't travel, it is such a way to discover yourself, right? You relieve stress, you find how different, how you can connect to different cultures. So, so what's some of the experiences that you're very proud of when you've traveled? Yeah. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is really loving the people, like seeing the different cultures. And even in Thailand, they're a very religious culture, but a different type of culture and religion than what's here in the States. I live in Utah, which is very like highly uh, Mormons. Um, there's Catholics, there's, you know, Christians. Uh, and so in Thailand, it's more like Buddhism and seeing, just seeing the people and seeing their love for um, being a good human and service and uh you know, a God fearing for lack of better words, people, that was something that was just like, wow. Like it really showed me that the world we're on the other side of the world and there's still good people out there doing good things. Even if their beliefs and their cultures are totally different than mine, 
it was just like, I'm so small and the world is so big, full of amazing humans. And so it's just like eye opening every time I go somewhere new, especially foreign, it's just like eye opening. And I just find such like a, um, like a passion to like go even more, like explore more, I'd love to explore, but also just like the sense of, um, like love for humanity. Like, whoa, people are, people are good doing good things, uh, all over everywhere. When you go on these trips Mm -hmm. and you are experiencing, as you mentioned, different cultures, different people, and you realize, wow, this part of the world is so much different than where I am, but they all have the same type of desire to be loved, to find happiness, things like that. And when you mentioned to me earlier, those listening, when we're in the green room talking about discovering boundaries and helping people find their boundaries, mm-hmm. how did you set boundaries for yourself that would help you to continue to navigate your life in a very peaceful and happy way? I started with myself, my own boundaries within myself and my own respect. But here's the thing about boundaries. When you put them in place, they're actually a thing of love and respect, but a lot of people look at them and like, there's something bad, you know? And so I like to just say, when I put in boundaries, I like to think of it as like a, um, what's the word I'm looking for an analogy where here's my house, here's my yard, here's my gate. I don't want you to hop the fence and walk through my door. I want you to walk through my gate to my door and I will let you in. And so when I think of it like that, it's like not necessarily a bad thing. It's, you know, the flowers are going to stay intact because they're not hopping over the fence. You're not frustrated because the lawn or whatever, you know? So it's like, for me, uh, it it felt because I'm a people pleaser, it felt really uh, scary and hard. So the first person that I really started putting boundaries in place was my ex-husband when I was starting to leave him. And, uh, the first boundary I put in place was I didn't, I wasn't going to go with him to this, uh, this family reunion, which he didn't want anyone to know what was going on in our personal life. And I was like, no, I'm actually not going to go to that. And I mean, he couldn't believe it that I would not show up, but it felt so good. It felt liberating to me. And honestly, it was a really great experience for him too, because he got that extra time with our kids with him and the kids. So that was like the first boundary I can think of. I was like, put like, I'm not going to do that this time. Cause I don't feel good about going. And when I did that, it felt really peaceful. So it gave me that much more, like a little more strength to do it again. And then he understood, he's like, okay, you know, so then from there you move on, you have to do what feels boundaries are like all about doing what feels good to you, but not from a place place of selfishness. Like some people think it's selfish. It's from a place of love and self-respect and respect for the individual, like the other person they're teaching how to treat you. So those are some of the things that I did in the beginning. And I mean, they're small, right? Another, another thing was, yeah, if you're going to talk to me like that, I'm actually going to hang up the phone. And then I would, I would hang up the phone. Well, guess what? not very long before he doesn't talk to me like that anymore. Cause he's like, Oh, that doesn't work for her anymore. You know? So little things, but it's teaching them how to treat you and teaching you that you're worthy of more. And from doing that, you do find more peace. You do have more happiness. You do have more fulfillment with the people in your life that you actually want to spend that time with, you know, letting go of relationships that don't serve you. 
that's another boundary. It's like, let, let it go. It's okay. Some people look at boundaries as to use your analogy, the fence around the house, you go through the gate, you go through the door and you're invited in where some people would view it as the electric fence where if they touch it, they get electrocuted. And there's some form of consequence from trying to test your boundary in a way. And one thing I like to tell people about boundaries, it's you want to protect yourself from yourself because many times we're people pleasers and we may allow ourselves to be damaged to benefit someone else. Well, they're talking to me this way. That's just how they are. I'm going to continue to accept it. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you mentioned Amy, that this person is talking to me in a way that I don't like, I need to let them know. One way is to disconnect the call. Another way is to tell them. Mm-hmm. And when you went through your people pleasing um, phase, mm-hmm. when you're living that life, and now that you have these boundaries, which are protective of you, your family, your marriage, your children, everything, how proud are you that you're able to set up your life this way? Honestly, it's amazing. I'm, I'm like really proud of myself. When you say, how proud are you? I'm like, I'm so proud of myself because it's, and I'm still not there because naturally, like you want to, you know, default to what you did for so many years. And so like, oh, like, no, that's not what I want. But when I look back, um, there were some family members too, that just used to treat me poorly. Guess what? I accepted it when I didn't accept it anymore. There was a period of time where the people, when you're starting to put boundaries in place and you were kind of alluding to this, they don't like it. And they, you know, you might lose relationships for a little while, or they might kick and scream. They're like, this isn't what we choose. This isn't how this relationship goes. And they do not like it. Well, all of the relationships that mattered to me that I wasn't being true to myself, like by allowing them to mistreat me when I put those boundaries in place, some of them did go away for a while and I didn't have those relationships, but it was okay but all of the ones that truly mattered that I wanted in my life are now back and stronger than they ever were. And that's why I'm like, I'm so proud of myself because we now have much better relationships than we ever did. We're able to go deeper. We're able to connect. And it's like a true connection because I'm not doing it out of feeling like I have to out of, you know, this, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like spacing. I'm spacing the word I'm looking for, but where you feel like you just are obligated to, to be a certain way around these people or to show up a certain way. I'm like, no, I just am me. And they they now love me for me. And I love them for them. And we both respect each other in a way that we, yes, we never did before. So it's, it's really a beautiful thing. There's a time where I went through that and a part of me started to feel a little guilty because I was surprised who was being impacted by this. I would think, oh, no, not Johnny. Johnny and I have been friends for so long that when I set up the boundaries, I saw the change. Mm -hmm. And then, as you mentioned, you want to default and say, maybe I'm doing something that isn't appropriate. But then you remember how they treated you last week, last month, and then you have to make a decision. And this is for everyone watching. You have to make a decision. Is your pain less important to you than them being uncomfortable? Or is their discomfort more important than the pain that you feel? 
And then when I looked at it like that, that's when I said, if I can't love me and show the world that I deserve love, I can't expect it from anyone else. Mm-hmm. Was there a time in your life, Amy, where you thought, maybe what I'm doing isn't necessarily something that I should do, even though you know it's for the best? Was there any doubt in your mind? Oh, yes. Along the whole path, the whole, the whole way, there's doubt, right? It's like, I'm like, you're thinking of a time, like, is there a time I'm like, oh gosh, like leaving a husband. So that was really hard walking away, being like, I can't allow myself to be treated like this. That was so hard. And there was all the doubt. I was starting a completely new life, you know? So that was like a big one, but even small ones where I'm interacting with my kids and I say something, you know, maybe put them in their place or something. They don't want to do their homework and I have to come in. And then I'm like, oh, shoot, should I have not, you know, like where you kind of climb back up in your shell, like, oh no, maybe I shouldn't have. I was like, no, that is, that is what needed to happen. You know, it's like, it happens all the time, even still it's, it's throughout life, but it's just like trusting that, like you said, this discomfort that this other person's going to feel is okay because I'm respecting myself and I love myself. And this is what I do deserve. And I'm sure that you probably have examples where, um, when something's happened like that, that person does respect you because you voiced your opinion. You said something and they're like, oh yeah. You know, there's a relationship I'm thinking of right now is with a friend. And in the beginning we were not friends because I actually don't like the way she treated me. And so, but we hung around each other all the time because we had a group of friends and she, um, she, you know, she did a lot of the gossiping and all the kinds of things that I just don't like to really be a part of. And so, uh, she'd said some things at this lunch and, um, coming away from that lunch, she texted me individually. Oh, don't tell so-and-so and don't tell so-and-so. And And I was thinking in my head, I was thinking, look at all these things that she's trying to cover up because what she said so much easier to have not said it, you know? And I told her, I'm like, I'm not going to go talk to those people, but if you don't want that to be said, you probably shouldn't say it. I mean, so that's what I told her. And she was like, whoa, people hadn't really spoke to her like that before. And she pushed away for a little bit. And then that actually is what created a better relationship for us. Cause then later she's like, when you said that, I really had to think about it. Look at my own life. Look at how I was showing up. And she's like, and yeah, I don't, I don't want to be that type of person. And so now we have a better relationship, but she, for a while is like, oh, that was, I can't believe she said that to me. She was offended. But then later she's like, I respected you so much because you said something. And now we're great friends. Actually, she was on my girl's trip this weekend. (laughs) Now we're great friends, you know? So like you just being true to you does allow those relationships to grow in a way that I didn't know was possible until I started putting it to test. So, I mean, so when you began to realize that you're getting respect for standing firm in your beliefs, standing firm in your boundaries, Let's help those who are listening and those who are maybe having a little bit of a struggle, having the confidence that you have developed and Mm -hmm. having the the forthrightness to say that this doesn't work for me anymore. What's maybe some tips that you can give them to help them along the path and further down the journey? Yeah. The very first thing I would say is your body I'm a firm believer, believer that your body knows what's best for you. Like your soul knows your body knows, and they speak to you, but 
we get really good at not listening to our body and kind of having a disconnect between our brain and our body. And so when you have that little twinge of, oh, I don't know about this, or oh, this doesn't feel right to me. Like it happens. You just have to stop and pause long enough to be like, wait, what is, what is my body, my soul, whatever you want to call it. What, what is it telling me right now? So you just pause long enough to be like, okay, being true to me means what it doesn't have to take very long. It can be like two thoughts, right? Like being true to me means doing what right now. So for women, we are really, really good at taking on way more than what we should. And so we say yes to the carpool. We say yes to making dinner for the neighbor that just had a baby. We say yes to all these things. And a lot of times it's at the expense of ourselves. And I'm not saying don't do those things. Those are great things, but do you have the capacity to do them? Do you have any kind of resentment when you take on more? If there's any sort of resentment, then the answer should be no. And when you say no, it's liberating. And by the way, when you do say no, you don't have to have a massive explanation of why it's no. It can just be like, no, that doesn't work for me today. That's it. But when you do that, and when you listen to yourself, when you turn inward, you grow and you start to develop like a whole nother level of self-trust. And when you do that, you're able to show up so much more authentically. So when the neighbor calls and says, Hey, we need dinner. You're excited to do it because you're showing up authentically and you have space because you maybe said no to the 10 other things that didn't really serve you today. You know, so women, women are great in the sense that we love to serve and grow and do all those things for people, but we need to do it from an authentic place. And you do that by listening, by turning inward, by saying what, how do I actually feel about this? Asking yourself that simple question. We're really good at not asking ourselves that question. How do they feel if I tell them no is what we do, right? But hey, how do I feel about doing this today? That feels good. I can do that. Okay, I'll do it. But Amy, saying no is so hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually just a word, right? It's like just a word. It's as easy as saying yes. We think We think that it's hard to say no. And we think that it's going to mean something about us and that people won't like us. But what we don't really think about is a lot of times people on the other end are fine with no. Like where you, when someone tells you no, are you so upset? No, I can't make it. I know that when people tell me, no, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I don't even think twice, but when I say no to them, it's like, oh my gosh, they're going to hate me. They're going to, you know, all of this mind drama, but really People understand people are good people. They get it. And if they don't, then you probably have a boundary issue, right? So let's address that. I wonder how much of that is based is more of a reflection on us. Like if, mm-hmm. if you tell me no, or before I, you even get the opportunity to tell me no, I've dreamed up this situation in my head where she's going to hate me. She's never going to talk to me again. She's going to sell her house and move to another state. Some people have that because it's like no one wants to be rejected. And I guess worse yet, no one wants to be the person that is rejecting someone. And I think we give so much power to the word no, and maybe so little power to the word yes. Yeah. When we don't really need to, though, they're just words. And really, you can say, no, yeah, that doesn't work for me. And the other person can be like, oh, okay. You know? But then in that moment, it's like you, you've kept your power, but also it's okay. I I think that's the most important point is like a lot of these things that we've created all this mind drama around, 
those are like our internal beliefs. Those are our like thoughts, you know, everything that's going crazy up in our head, but really when we do, and when we are being true to us, it gives us that much more strength for next time to be even more true. Right. But also saying no can be liberating. It's not, it's not necessarily bad. Most people don't care when you tell them no. That's what I've learned. And I learned it the hard way because I was a recovering people pleaser, but I was like, oh, they didn't even care. They were fine with it. Next time I say yes, they're like, okay, great. Yeah. I remember I said no. And in my mind, I dreamed of the situation. This was like years ago. And I, I swear to you, Amy, I was thinking I'm going to tell this person no, and they are going to hate me and tell every single person in the world. And I just said, no, this doesn't work for me because I'm not able to do this. And the person's like, okay, I completely understand. Thanks for telling me. And they went on their way. I was like, thank (laughs) God. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's the point I didn't even make. It gets easier. Like, it's like, okay, it's like a muscle, right? So when you practice it, we get so scared of what might happen that we fall on this line of taking on too much or doing too much. But really when we practice it, and like you just said, it's actually okay. You're like, oh, it was okay. Oh, it's my own internal beliefs and all these things that I have that I've made up in my head. And it's actually okay to say, no, they didn't care. They were fine with it, but it's practicing it. It's doing it and seeing like going through the motion, seeing that, oh, that was okay. Okay. I could do that again. And then the yeses feel amazing because there's no resentment. There's no like heavy burden or anything. It's just like, yeah, I want to do that. Of course I'll do that for you. Yeah. I say, I say no all the time now, (laughs) you know, it's like invigorating at this point. I just, I just love it. I'm like, no, because I feel free from any guilt that I may have had previously. Right. right? And that's what I want. Is that something that you're experiencing now where you're like, it feels good to say no. And it feels even better to say yes. Exactly. It feels good to say no, because I'm being true to me. And when I say yes, I absolutely want to go. It's like a hell yes. It's like, yep. I'm in. Yep. I'm in on making that dinner. Yep. I'm in on going to that party or whatever. Like it's like, yep, here I am. And when I do say yes, I show up a hundred percent. When I say yes, time with the kids or whatever it is, you know, it's like, yep, I'm here and I'm totally present. So it feels liberating. It's good. And it's, and it's okay, guys, listen to yourself. If there's any resentment, then it should be no, (laughs) if there's any kind of resentment or heavy, heavy feelings, then you just you're not being true to you. So think about that. Ask yourself what you want.